We're going to continue what we were studying before, but we're going to make application to it. So as you're looking at Luke chapter 8, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 9. And this is where I preached on Sunday, but I'm going to take it a step further because there was an aspect of it that I mentioned, but I didn't go into because we had so many big announcements on Sunday. Talking about reaching our community, we're planning a church, we're, we're stepping out in faith, we're going to follow in practice and fulfill the Great Commission. So we're very excited about that. But so we, we had limited time to go into all the details of this. So read, listen to this as I read this and you look in uh, Luke 8. And it says in verse 35 of Matthew 9, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, now I mentioned this on Sunday, but I didn't didn't get to park here and go into it. He was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad. They were as sheep having no shepherd. And he was like, this is what breaks my heart. If you just knew that they didn't have a shepherd to care for them. They have no one to care for them. That's what a shepherd does. They're scattered. And we talked about that, uh, that doctrinal explanation of that, which we, what we talk about of being lost, not having direction. And so when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. Now, I'll give you an illustration of this. I, last year, uh, around August, I had the opportunity to go to Africa. And while I was in Africa, I was there to preach at a conference they were having. And we're driving down, and we stopped, and we saw these kids, and we different places, and we saw, you know, their, their faces. And it was so cute and powerful of what we were seeing, and, and just moved in our hearts. And then all of a sudden, we got out of there, and I started working with them, and they started taking us into the villages, and we started seeing where they lived, and I got close to them. I learned their names and it broke my heart. It changes you. It, what we're talking about is Jesus didn't just see them as a crowd or as people or as a city or as villages. He started knowing them as their names and their problems and their hurts and things like that. One of the days while I was there, we were driving. And we passed this sign and I took a double take at it. And I said, are we passing that sign again? And they said, yes. So the next time when we drove past that sign, I had my camera on and I took a picture of it. Now, you guys probably can't sell very much from where you're sitting, but let me just read this sign to you. Well, this is what this picture says. It says on there, get rich, or it says something about if you have problems with marriage, call them. And then it says, get rich through evil spirits. No exaggeration. This is commonplace. And by the way, when you're there, you don't just drive past buildings like you see here of churches and hope and things like that. It broke my heart. I'm telling you, they are literally holding up signs saying, as much as we say Jesus is the answer, they're saying there's evil spirits. It's right there on the sign. It's not a joke. It's not a gimmick. It's just part of their, their culture. It breaks you. It made me want to go back in there. It charged me up when I preached. It, it opened my eyes every time one of them would come and pray with me. Man, and I, I got their name. I would talk to them. I would take the time. I sat with them. I, I remember one of the little kids while we were there uh, went back and, and they took a little envelope and, and the little girl wrote a note and she wrote it in English like, be my friend or you're my friend. And then she put one Cheeto she had one Cheeto, and she put it in the little thing and, and folded it up and gave them to him. you got to understand, these kids are dirt floors in the middle of nothing. For that kid to have had Cheetos and put one of them in there was a sacrifice for that kid just literally responding. Because listen, responding to the love that she experienced from us. 
I love the graphic that we had, and we took it down because we're switching it for something else, and we're getting ready for the next series and set of what we're going to be teaching and preaching on. I love that. But we've got to stop just talking about Columbus as a city. We've got to stop just looking at neighbors as people and not as just people that are hurting that need a shepherd and need Jesus Christ and need a change. Remember, we're not just reading Bible stories. This isn't story time. We're here to study and go deeper and see what was going on. So today I'm going to take you to a crowd of people. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you to a crowd of people. And we're going to, in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to talk about a crowd. But I want you to see how Jesus interacted with that crowd. I want you to see how different it was. Because there was people there that was hurting. But let me tell you guys, there's people hurting in every crowd. Every crowd. And, and let me give you a crowd that you're probably not thinking people are hurting. It will be Sunday morning at 9.30 and Sunday morning at 11. Right here, where you're sitting, hurting people. And by the way, I could also say Wednesday night at 7. And if we're blinded to that, of thinking that they're not, then, then we, we're not having eyes to see. And I labeled this, you know, open, open my eyes as a prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Help me to walk in and see the crowd different. Help me to walk in and see people different constantly people all around us that are hurting behind every smile when you say how are you doing I promise you if they were to go deep and and open their their heart up and be able to say if you just knew what I went through if you knew what my spouse said to me that threatened divorce if you if you knew how I felt about the fear of my finances of what's going on if you knew the fact that I feel like I'm losing my kids if you knew how I really felt you wouldn't believe it and a lot of people go to bed and they go through life and where do they turn and nobody understands and nobody reaches out to them. Now remember, Jesus was going about the Father's business. It's not just a matter of, and a lot of times people may be accused of the lesson I'm teaching tonight of just uh, you know, a feel-good religion type thing. You've got to understand, I know that it's not just around, about going around and doing good. I know that. But the Bible is clearly saying that we sacrifice of ourselves to meet the needs, to open their hearts, to see something different in us so that they respond to the love of God to give them the gospel. So Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And when it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named uh, Jairus, and I understand I've heard this as J. Iris. I've heard it as Jarius. I'm going to go with Jarius. So if I'm saying it wrong, I, I've listened to different people that have taught this. And so it, it, this dude's Jarius tonight, okay? So, so Jarius, he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house for he had one daughter. For he had one only daughter. About 12 years old about 12 years of age and she's laying dying don't breeze through this as words this is a message from God telling us something I but as he went the people thronged him he was, the Bible says he was there were so many people it was so chaotic but Jesus is describing what was going on in this one person's heart 
So we're going to divide this in half, and we're going to go through seeing them and responding, okay? And I know this parallels a lot of what we've taught already, and I'm totally okay with that because the whole thing is not just seeing through the eyes of Jesus, it's doing what Jesus did. And if I've repeated that through our missions month, I'm totally okay with that because the Bible repeats this over and over again. So imagine being this guy because here's the thing, I'm a dad. I'm a dad and I have a daughter that is 14 and I know that's two years older than this but I tell you the bond and connection, I get this guy. I I totally get, but here, let's break these people down that are hurting in this crowd, okay? This one is gonna be outward hurt. Let's just label it as this. This is an outward hurt. This is somebody that's saying it out loud. Somebody asks him, how you doing? This guy is very vocal about what's going on. He's not keeping it to himself. He's not hiding it. There's no question what's going through this guy's mind and his heart. This crowd is tight. That's what the Bible means about they thronged him. It was tight. It was, it was a little crowded. What's going on? And, and if I was this guy, I would do the same thing. I wouldn't care. And I've used this illustration before, but if you guys ever been in the story before, I don't raise my voice. I don't like drawing attention. I'm not weird like that whatsoever. But I remember one time, my, one of my kids, and I can't remember which one. I love them all, but I can't remember which one uh, was the story. But I just remember them getting out of my sight and not being able to find them. I went from cool, calm, collective Pastor Tony from Fellowship Baptist Church to the maniac of Gadara, like that. I'm screaming and yelling. I remember going up to the front and yelling their name out. And like, I can't remember who it was. I'm just, I'm just went into this, this mode of that's my kid. And these thoughts of somebody grabbing them and walking out the door and all this other stuff. I thought I have seconds to find them. I have seconds to respond. And I, I went to action. That, that's what's going on right here. I remember one time when, and I've told this story before of Morgan playing over there and she got this giant piece of glass because a ball broke and she had it shoved up in her foot. And I remember sweeping her up and running to, you know, to go out to the van to bring her to Children's Hospital. Her foot was bleeding. It looked like a scene from Private Ryan. I was just like, had this wounded soldier in my arm and I'm just coming to the rescue and I didn't care what people thought. My mind totally shifted to the love that I had for my child. And if somebody would have stopped and said, can I tell you about Jesus? I would have been like, get out of my way. And I you say, you're just being carnal. You've got to understand that there is a lot of hurting people. Hurting people. And as a parent, I understand this, this desperation that this guy had. And sometimes we can go along and say, oh, it'll be okay. And it it's all works out and all this. In the, in the mind and heart of these people right now, there was a lot going through them. The Bible explains what he was dealing with through this. And I, I think anybody that has a child, I'm trying to, trying to paint the picture of what Jesus saw when he went into the crowd. He was describing a dad that was broken, hurting, paranoid, freaking out, and scared to death for somebody that he loved. There's people that will come in here that have such heavy heavy burdens. And by the way, not just coming here, the people lined up in the bank with you, the people that were going to be in line with you for hours, probably Tuesday, lined up to, to, to vote. There's going to, there's going to be people that you're going to work with and you're wondering why they're acting funny and why they're so short. And why did they snap at you? And we, we, we're, we're blinded to the fact of what's going on in their heart and mind to make them this way. It says in verse 42, and she lay dying. It was real of what's going on. This story pauses, but it rolls into another person that came there alone. It's it's totally different. Let me show you the contrast of this other one. 
And a woman, verse 43, and a woman having the issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Now this is an inward hurt. This is her. She's not coming representing somebody else. This is her. She's not coming in saying, Master, I need you. Where are you at? She didn't, she didn't turn into that. She didn't say a word. She was keeping her distance. She wanted just to be lost in the shadows of this. Totally different. And by the way, that is the reality of the people that we try to help. Not everybody's going to come in and just go, okay, I have something to say, Pastor. I'm going through a hard time. There's some people that are hurting that will never say a word. They won't come to you. They're not going to post on Facebook. They're not going to make a spectacle out of it. But the contrast of this, one, the Bible gives their name. The other one doesn't give her name. One said it was Jairus, and the other one doesn't say anything. One, it was her that was sick. The other one was somebody that they loved that was sick. One cries out, one says nothing. They were totally different. But see, Jesus is teaching us something about when you're out in the world, when you're at the places that you serve, work, play ball, or whatever you do, you've got to open your eyes. Verse 25. Oh, never mind. Let, let me read uh, another passage in Mark 5.25. And a certain woman, when she had the issue of blood 12 years, and when she had suffered many things of many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. The Bible says suffered means she experienced pain and frustration for many years of many uh, physicians. All it did was keep getting worse. Literally meaning, there is nowhere else for me to go. There's nothing for else for me to do. I have no more resources and I have no more help from anybody that knows anything. I, I, I'll, get, I'll get deep with this. I'll, I'll say things. I'll tell you, I, in, in our drama that we did, that we were going to do at Easter, we'll be doing this next year. One of the stories that we zone in on is this woman. We talk about like her, the, the depression and the, what the Bible is describing and, and, and being at her wit's end. And the world is filled with people that are suicidal. The world is filled with people that have thoughts that are going through their mind. And I'll show you this here in a minute. And I, I mean, just people that are dying inside and, and for different reasons. I, I, I know there's widows that feel so alone. There's people that have lost their jobs that think that feel dads that feel like a complete failure. People that go through life of fear of losing their homes because they're two, three, four months behind and, and they, they have no more resources, no more ways to connect to anybody that can help them. People that are absolutely broken over their kids because their kids will start asking questions like, I don't know if I believe there is a God and I don't want to go to church anymore and I'm going to move out of here as soon as I can. This is the real world, guys. I, I'm not just making up random stuff here. I'm, I'm talking about what's really going on. And this is a different day and age in which we're reading. But I tell you, the idea of the reality of what he's describing is still the same. Now, now the Bible says that she was thinking to herself. Look at verse 21. And uh, it says, for, for she said within herself, but if I would touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And I know I keep jumping back between Luke and Mark to be able to get the whole uh, gist of this story of this. But when the Bible says that, when, when, when she thought within herself, have you ever walked into a situation and you're just sitting there and your mind's going a thousand miles per hour, but you're not saying anything? She's probably sitting there going, why did I come here? Nobody cares. Jesus is never going to say, oh, Jarius, man, he's a man of position and honor. Of course, he's going to respond to him. I can't be vocal like that. 
man, he's never going to see me. He's never going to notice me. I'm going to walk out of here the same as I came. What, what am I supposed to do? Honestly, in her culture, because of the issue of blood that she had, she was considered to be unclean. It's literally, you, you get called unclean enough like that, and you have it in your mind, I shouldn't even be here. Before long, somebody's going to be like, oh, I know you. You shouldn't even be around us. Desperation, desperate. The world is filled with people like this. It's not a negative story, I promise, but I, I just want you to see, we're talking about this is our mission. I'm describing our mission to you guys. I'm describing our mission, but I'm not talking about Africa, although I use that as an illustration. I'm not describing to you guys what, what, what uh, we, we did the sent off. That, by the way, we'll announce this again on Sunday, but the send offering is like over $20,000 right now. So it's so cool what we're able to do for these mission works to be able to help them with these major needs that they have. And that's a big deal, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about somebody you're going to meet tomorrow. And by the way, this is our mission. And we could say it like this, this is my mission. This is not just our mission. This is my mission. Your mission is to have open eyes to see who's walking in front of you and sitting beside you and in the pew next to you next Sunday. That is your mission. Because this story is not just in here for a random thing. He's using this to illustrate and explain to this. Jesus came for this. And that's why I'm saying it's not just preaching of the gospel. Don't get me wrong, it is the preaching of the gospel. And I'll tie that into the end of this of how it led to this. But the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are a broken heart. I mean, you think about that. The Lord is nigh, which literally meaning, I want to be as close to that type of person as I can get. The Lord is close to them that are broken heart. I'm not saying to God takes pleasure in that, but it pleases God to be able to be close to people that are going through that. It pleases God to do that. And save as such that are of a contrite or broken spirit. That verse right there is clearly defining to us that God loves, God reaches, God thinks about broken, hurting people. The fact is, you don't have to look hard to find them. You almost have to be blind not to see them. That's the truth. Our, our, our world is saturated. Our churches are saturated. Our schools are saturated with people like this. Open your eyes and take notice. I, uh, I was up in my office. Um, this was a while back. It was cold. It was winter. And uh, Jean said to me and says, hey, is there a pastor? There's somebody that just walked in. Um, it, he looks cold. And I mean, this guy came in off the streets. And I, I, I got it. I, I went downstairs. I opened the door. And um, the guy said right away, he said, I don't, I don't want money. He said, I'm not here for money at all. He says, do you have anything that I can use to cover me up? He said, I'm homeless and I'm just freezing. And I'm like, man, alive. And I'm like, so here I am thinking we have a homeless man that needs help. Okay, I'm just, I'm just stating that at the beginning. There's a homeless man that needs help. So I, I walk out there and I begin to talk to him and find his story and what he's doing. And I, I try to find things about the church. And the last thing I want him is doing going back outside. But this guy was insistent. I'm not going to a shelter. I don't want anything like that. I'm asking. I've got a spot. I want to go. I just need something to cover me up. So I remember I said, where are you, where are you going? 
and he said, I'm going back there. I said, I'm leaving. So I grabbed my coat and I just put him in my car and I said, let's, let's go. So I'm going there and we're driving down the road and I, I, I brought him to Walmart and I went to a section that was camping and I said, what do you need? Now, now hear my heart. I did everything that I can not to put him out, okay? I, I, I tried it. He was insistent. He said, I just want something. So I was only trying to help and meet the need that he was asking at that point. So I got him, uh, we, we got him a sleeping bag and, and we, we got him a bunch of other stuff and things that he needed and I took him uh, to get food. And by the way, I'm not breaking on myself by any means. If anybody's, oh, you're patting yourself on the back, not at all. That's not my point in this whatsoever. But I remember he wasn't a homeless man. His name was Matt, by the way. So, so scratch the homeless man part. His name was Matt. He had a daughter that lived in Columbus. He had a job three months before he went homeless. He told me his plan to get on his feet, and he told me that right now, that with where he's at, he's got a spot, it's outside, but that he's making do and all this other stuff. And I, I, I found out where he was. I asked him if I could see him again. I gave him my personal information. I told him to call me. I did everything that I could to try to do that. But my whole perspective changed when I just looked at him as a homeless man versus stepping into his life to know where he was, what he was doing, who he was, what he had. He's getting out of my car, and he turns to me and says, nobody has been this nice to me. Nobody. And I remember sitting there, praying with him, giving him the gospel. And, 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 and I mean, he didn't pray right there on the spot, but he knew why at the end of it that he, he was inquisitive of me of why am I doing this? We, they, they're everywhere. And God has our paths crossed with them constantly. But if we're so zoned in on what we have to do and what time is this and all this other stuff, we miss Listen, we miss hundreds of opportunities to be like Jesus and help people. But let, let me go to the next point. And I'm just challenging you. I, I, I am. I'm challenging you guys to open your eyes. I'm asking God to open my eyes to hurting people. And, and it used to be like, open my eyes to the lost. Let me tell you, you open your eyes to hurting people and people that are just going through life, God's going to lead you to the lost. I promise you. And open the door in ways that you couldn't imagine. Here's the second thing. Do you, not only do you open your eyes to see them, but do you take time to respond to their needs? So this is, this is Jesus, and, and, and the big part is he wants us to see how he responded. He's, he's painting the picture. It's not just seeing them. Because remember, the Bible says that when he saw the multitude, then he was what? Moved with compassion. Why? Because they didn't have a shepherd, and he came to be the shepherd, and he came to be the answer. So, so this woman gets close to Jesus, and no one sees her, and no one cares. And in faith, because she had this confidence, she falls to the ground and reaches out to touch him, not even know really what she was doing. She, she just had it in her heart to get as close as she could. And in Luke 8, 44, and came in behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? Now, you stop Peter, James, and John and stopped everyone and asked the question. Now, we all know this. Did Jesus try to figure out who touched him? No, not at all. He is the Son of God. It, 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 that question was not for his sake. That question was for our sake. He was like, hey, someone's here that needs me. Let me point it out and teach you guys something. That's what's being said with this. Or said with this. So here, here's his response. 
And he's, he's, he's teaching us. He, he knew why. He didn't ask for the sake of himself. He was trying to say, let me teach, let me teach you guys something. If you want to be fishers of men, this is what it looks like. It, it's almost like he was saying, let me teach you guys how to respond to people that have hurts. Let me show you how this is done. And Jesus said, verse 45, who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. Who sayest thou who touched me? He was putting it like this, Master, there are a lot of hurting people here. There, there are so many people that need you. How would you be able to point one out among so many? And so if we view people as masses and not notice people as individuals, then we're not being like Jesus. That's just the truth. If we look at his neighborhoods and not Mrs. Smith, if we look at people in church and not that one boy that's bullied, if we're, if, we're, if we're looking people at whatever, we're not focusing in on the needs. See, every one of us has to make it our mission to help that one person this week, not just the hundreds of people that we're thinking that I can't help everyone. It was Joseph Wicks that was here, our missionary, that was just here a couple weeks ago. And he said this, he said, do for one what you would like to do for all. You're right, you can't help everyone. And guys, sometimes we look at these things as a church program the reason a lot of times that we truly fail at the, at the mission field of compassion or the mission of compassion is because we view it as a mission of the church and not the mission of ourselves. It's not an idea of, well, the church should do more to help people. The church should do more for the helpless and the homeless and, and the down and out and the addicted and all this other stuff. And Jesus is saying, you sit next to one every week. Your neighbor is one. Your, your, your friend that you guys haven't talked to in weeks is one. What are you talking about the church? We are the church. The church is not a building or a corporation. It's individuals. The next verse is so powerful if we would just get this. Now you're going to read it and be like, why is that powerful? Let me show you why it's powerful. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Let me put it another way. Verse 46, and Jesus said, somebody. Jesus didn't just die for the world. He died for somebody, someone, an individual. He, he narrowed it down to a specific need in the crowd of a specific person there. Someone have touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Yes, people look at the crowds, and yes, Peter was looking at the crowd. But Jesus in that moment said, there's somebody here that needed this. You see, Jesus was pointing out that he cared about the one that was unseen, unnoticed, broken, unclean. He was saying, I care about that one. Stop, everybody. I need to point out something. I need to, I, I need to draw attention to something. See that woman right there that everybody else passed? I'm not passing her because that one matters to me. A cool concept, a cool principle. Think about this. And I know this is like common sense in some ways, but in a, in a lot of ways, it's not. Think about this. John 3.16, again, and I know most people in the world know it. It's held up at ball games. I mean, it's, it's a common verse. For God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know how much value is on one person. They are worth so much 
that the God of heaven would give his entire life to die on a torturous cross for that one. Do you know what that does? It defines the value of the one. You say, how much value is it for a, a drug addict, a drug dealer, a murderer, whatever? You say, well, in our terms, not, not very much. And Jesus says, actually, they're worth so much that if they were the only person alive, I would die for them. That's how much value God places upon that one. That's how much value was at the woman at the well that had been divorced five times. That's how much value. Now, that's a powerful principle. But do you realize for me to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, to be a representative of Jesus Christ, guess what my job is? My job is to let them know that they're that valued. It's, it, that's a, I know it's simple, but it's a very powerful point to where I need to treat that homeless man or that drug addict or just that irritating relative, okay? Let's just put it on, you know, I, we always go to these extremes with these explanations. No, my job as a Christian through the love of God coming through my life is to let other people know how much value they have because of how I treat them, not just by what I tell them. Because we could sit there all day long and say, do you know God loves you? Do you know that Jesus died on the cross? Good for you. You said great, great things. That's great. But then Jesus went into the, the story of the Good Samaritan and said, he didn't just stop and say, God loves you. No, he picked him up, put him on his mule and carried him to help. It's not so much that we tell them, it's that we show them to they feel at the end of experiencing us, I have value. And it doesn't matter if they are a serial killer or, a, you know, go extreme as you want. Because the first person to ever die knowing the love of Jesus Christ from the perspective of the cross was a thief. A thief. And we walk past people all the time and miss out on the opportunity to pour into them, whether, whether it's a drive through hamburger to give to somebody or a compliment, or picking them up, or whatever we do to execute, to put into their life, to say, you have great value. That you, that Jesus died on the cross because you mattered. This is, we're talking about his compassion as we look at this. And the Bible needs to know, do we care? I, I, I'm telling you guys, with, with, with next year, and, and walking out of COVID, and knowing our neighbors, and everything that we're doing, I so bad want our neighbors to be able to say, Fellowship Baptist Church cares about me. Not because we put it on a slogan of a sign that says, Fellowship Baptist Church cares about you. Not asking what they read on our sign. I want them to know by what they've experienced through the outreach of our church. Verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling falling down before him, and she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Look at that one phrase in there. She came trembling. She came trembling. I Overwhelmed? Terrified? Scared? Unclean? Uh, maybe that she thought she irritated the master. I, I mean, did, did she do something wrong? Did I mess up? Am I about to be thrown out of here? I've, I've done that. I've, she's been thrown out before for doing that. And notice Jesus' response. Remember, she has great value, right? She has great value. Verse 48. 
And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace. The word daughter is a title of endearment. It's a statement of a relationship. It's a personal connection. It's, it's what you would say to make somebody feel accepted. Of you don't need the tremble. You are right where you belong. Isn't that cool if we could do that to the world that is hurting? For us to pour out the example to them of, of saying you belong. And not a matter of, well, come into church and be like, I'm sorry, but I sit there every week here in my seat. I'm not talking that mindset or that attitude at all. I'm not a matter of coming to the church and say, oh, you're wearing a hat we don't normally wear. I'm not saying that. I'm saying literally to go out of your way to say, you're here, you belong here, we want you here, we're excited that you're here, you, 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 you have value and, and you matter. That, that's what Jesus was doing. He, he, he could have called her anything, but he's sitting there making an, a, a point of her. But I love the fact that she came trembling and he responded with this term of endearment. That's my Jesus. Do you guys hear that? That's my God. Th- that, that's what turned me to him. That's what turned Paul to him. That's why we call it amazing grace. That's why we sing amazing grace. You got what you did not deserve. Amen. So powerful. But guys, it's not just a matter of saying it and claiming it. It's a matter of showing it and living it and pouring it out on other people. It, 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 it should be that we give people the attention. We, we, we listen to them. We encourage them. We pray for them. We, I, I don't recommend that you go around throwing out the daughter word. You'll just be a little weird, okay? Don't go up to somebody at the gas station and say, daughter, it's okay. You know, you just be weird, okay? But that's not the point. The point is simply this. The point is simply that you do something or treat them in such a way that they have value. You're not a homeless person. You're mad. That's what we're saying. She found acceptance. Now, Jairus, verse 49, remember there's two stories. One's outward, one's inward. Jesus is showing the response in both ways. While yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. I, I, I think it's almost like that, that thing about don't trouble him. He doesn't have time for this. I love it when we respond in such a way to say, you're not troubling me at all. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Do you realize that everything that God is doing through his compassion said to her about your faith and for him about believing? All about believing on Jesus Christ and having faith in his power and the faith of what he came to do. Now you say, well, I thought it was all about doing good. Do you realize that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? All our good works do is point up. This is, this is what we do. This is where pointers. As, 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 as we meet needs, rake leaves, drop off food at people's house, just have it in your mindset that your hands are just doing this. Hey, how are you? All I'm here is a reflection the point to Jesus Christ. Because I'm just trying to re- point and live how he did to be Christian, which is Christ-like. That's what I'm trying to do. Believe only. Verse 51. And when he came into the house. Now, could Jairus have not have just received what he said and Jesus just said, go, she's already alive. And I know there's stories where Jesus did that. But Jesus didn't do that. This is so cool. He literally got up from that spot, 
went to where they lived, walked into the house, made his presence known, goes over, stepped into their hurt, stepped into their their mess to take the time, to take the energy, to take the effort, to make the presence in their life, not a church program. It wasn't on a church bulletin anywhere. It was just a natural way for him to live because you know why? Compassion is care in action. It doesn't matter if you sit there and say, we care about our community. Compassion is care in action. That's what compassion is. And, and don't Google that because it won't say that. I'm just giving you my definition. But it makes sense. And that's what it is. Words are great, but Jesus took action. And he put them all out and took her by the hand. And he called saying, made her rise. Now again, I'm going to slow this down and just visualize this. When she wakes up, she finds herself being held by Jesus. How cool is that? He didn't just like wave his hands or whatever. It was such a personal touch with Jesus. It was such a, I, I, I love when I go to the hospital and, and somebody is sick and people are going through a hard time or whatever, to, to grab them by the hand and pray or to kneel down next to them and not this lofty, arrogant, you know, you just, and I'm not saying that that's how it is if you don't, but just, just be real. Man, sit in their home. And I remember when we were in Africa, and I know this is a far out extreme, but we love the fact that we went to the villages and we went into this one living room that I am, I am not exaggerating by any means. The whole living room was about 10 by 10 or 8 by 8. It was that small. I mean, we, and we, we were all in this one spot and they were just so thrilled, the fact that we were Americans in there. And we didn't treat it like it was anything. It was just the fact that, man, we love you. The only message we wanted to come across was the fact that we love you. We care about you. We prayed with them. Took her by the hand. Some people in her life, I remember, and again, I don't know any other illustrations just other than my own illustrations. And I remember just doing things when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit. I, re- I remember when back when my dad was in the hospital and I was leaving the hospital or going out of the ICU and walking down the hallway and I turned and there was just a woman slumped over crying. I, it's just, and, and I was like walking past and I was like, oh, it's like, man, it just came over me. And I turned around and I went back and I just knelt down in front of her and I put my hand on her back and I said, can I pray with you? And I, I know that's invading people's space and I, I didn't have permission. And it wasn't a church thing or whatever. At that moment, I didn't care. And, and, and trust me, I'm, I'm not, don't normally just, you know, walk up to strangers and put my arm around them. I mean, I don't, but I mean, in that moment, I really felt like God wanted me to do that. And she said, I just got bad news about my husband. I have no family here. She said, I'm just broken. And I remember just being able to have that opportunity to pray with her. And I'm, you say, wow, that, it, was, it was words out of, out of my heart to, to my God to, to represent somebody that was hurting. It's so simple to do things like this. I remember being in a church service and I was up on the stage and I did the announcement. I looked over and I saw somebody that I didn't notice or recognize before. And I remember going down why the service was going on. And I just, I just felt led of God to do this. And I went over and I put my arm around him and I said, I just want you to know that I'm glad you're here. It was the weirdest thing. It was just weird. I, I, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. But I knew they ended up getting saved and I led them through discipleship. And one day during discipleship, he said, you know what changed everything? As when you came over to me, it was making me feel like I belong there. And I'm like, again, I'm not brave. I, I only have stories. But I know this. It's the simple little things that we do in everyday lives, in every person's life that is coming here. 
And he told me I was paranoid to be there because of the fact is I smoked before I came in. And I was worried about the fact that people would smell smoke on me. I said, you can smoke or smell like smoke anytime you come here. I don't care. I'm after your heart. God takes care of our, our, our habits and our problems. We just have to reach their heart. And it's amazing what God does. Verse 55, and we'll close with this. And, and, and her spirit came again, and she arose and straightway commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. And he charged them that they should go and tell no man what was done. This is love in action. This is what we do. Changing people's lives. Now, listen, I serve a God that can heal the sick and change broken lives. These hands can't do it. I'm telling you guys right now, if you're looking for me to touch people's lives and do it, I, I, I don't have that power. I, I, I serve the one that has that power. But I love going to even everyday hurts that we have and praying for their sicknesses and going to where they're at and loving on them and doing simple acts of kindness to open doors, to reach their heart, to point them to a God that will not only change what they're going through, but will change their, the direction of their heart and soul. I, I, I really, I would love to, to bring this home like this. This week, tomorrow, make this a prayer. And I'm saying this, everybody watching online, everybody that's in this room right now. Pray the prayer, Lord, help me to see somebody. Just like that verse says, and when he turned and, and there was somebody here, that the, look for the somebody. Don't say, I, I have to lead 50 people this week to Jesus. No, find one. And I'm not, if you can find 50, go for it, okay? I'm not, I'm not preaching against that. But I'm saying find the one. Ask God to lead you tomorrow and, and Friday. And, and tomorrow night, I'll be, uh, I think it's Sedalia, somewhere here with my team. that We're setting up a tent and handing out the, the sticks and the glow sticks and all that stuff that we're doing and just candy and all that other stuff. I am praying that God lets me meet someone, that, that I can show kindness, let them know the value they have to God, to lift them up and encourage them. Maybe somebody that is at their wit's end or depressed or whatever, and, and if I can just be Jesus and show love and compassion, I did my mission because that is my mission, to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, help me see someone this week that I can help meet a need and point to Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our challenge.